0: Matthew 8, verse 18. Hallelujah. Many of you know this story. It's the story about Jesus crossing over the lake. Um, with the crowds following but crossing over the lake to the other side and a storm wells up, You've you've heard it many times we hear quite a few stories in the Bible where there's storms on seas but this particular one is where Jesus comes to the shores and asks his disciples to cross to the other side let's read it, it's verse 18 when Jesus saw the crowd around him he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake then a teacher of the law came to him and said teacher I will follow you wherever you go Jesus replied, foxes of holes and birds of the air of nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came upon the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. When he arrived at the other, other side of the region of the Gardarenes, two demon-possessed men came from tombs to meet him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from there, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into that herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs. And the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs went into the town and reported all of this, including what had just happened to the demon possessed man. When the whole town went out to meet Jesus. So when the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Amen. Many of you know that story. It's the story of, as we've just read, of Jesus. The crowds are behind him. Many, many times in the Bible we read about crowds following Jesus through as they seem to do many, many miracles. And this particular instance, I just want to draw some things this morning. The title of my message is Fan or Follower. Fan or Follower. And I want to talk to you about what this story for me represents and what it tells us some things about Jesus. It tells about us as Christians and whether you're not a Christian. But what I want to talk about is the fact, first of all, about the crowds. My first point this morning is count the cost and not the crowd. When Jesus saw the crowd coming towards him, he says this, the very first thing that we've just read in Matthew 8, he says, when he saw the crowd, he turned around and looked at them, and then he ordered his disciples to move to the other side of the lake. So basically, when he sees this crowd following him, I mean, many, many times we see Jesus with a crowd around him in the Bible. But what we see here is that he's not interested in the crowd. For some reason... He's not interested and he wants to go across the other side of the lake to somewhere in a region called the Gardarenes where there's two demon-possessed men. The story tells us this, that no one could pass that way. It must have been a place, the Gardarenes, where most people on the other side of the lake, remember this is not just the sea, this is the lake they were crossing, most people in that crowd would have probably known that at the other side was a place that you couldn't pass. It was a dangerous place to go. And Jesus was saying... At this very point he said, I can see a massive crowd around me, but now I'm asking you, who is willing to get into the boat? Who is willing to come to the other side of the lake and follow me? And I just want to put to you this morning that sometimes when we can concentrate and view church, we can sometimes think that the crowd around us, the big scene of church, is all what it's supposed to be about. And we can concentrate and focus on the crowd and actually become followers of the crowd. We can actually become not followers of Jesus. But if we're not careful, we can become followers of the crowd. Many, many people that day in that crowd would probably have been following, looking at others in the crowd. And in the sensationalism of all the miracles, everything that was taking place, would have looked at it and said, We want to stay here, we want to follow. But Jesus says this, he says... Come with me if you are if you willing to cross. And we know this, that when he asks the people in that story, he says a guy says to him, can I just go and bury my own father first? He, he talks about burying his own father. And Jesus says, even to put his own family aside. We know that other scriptures tell us this on the same story. And you can read them up. But they say this, they say that when people asked Jesus if they can do something first, he said to, to even put your own family aside before me. Now, sometimes we don't want to read these scriptures in church. We don't want to put, bring the things. Sometimes I, I read the Bible and I think, should I say that? Because we want to make our messages nice. We want to say the nice things. But the truth is this, that the Bible that we all believe in says that we should put even our families aside before God. God should become primary in our lives. Now, that might be hard hitting for some of you. But even for me, it's very difficult because when you have a little son and You look at him, I sometimes have to think that I have to put God first before everything else. God first, then my family, then the church. It's a a biblical thing to look after the family. But God, everything I have is a gift from God, you know. Everything we have is a gift from God. And he's the creator of everything. We saw in that thing, didn't we, that we, at the very end of that thing, we serve the creator of time. The one who gives you time to do things with. Amen. Amen. So we're called here to evaluate the cost of following Jesus. And I just want to ask you this morning, are you counting the crowd? We can see, you can turn on Christian TV and you can see many, many, many churches, big churches around. That if you were not careful, you could follow the crowd. And sometimes you could never even know that you're following Jesus. You could be just following the scene. And I want to question this morning, are you following the crowd? recently we did the decorating in here, we painted all the inside and we're doing a lot of graphics at the moment and things just to promote King's Church, make it look nicer inside. But you know this, all of them things that we're trying to do to make it look nice in here, there's nothing more important than the fact that whether our hearts are following Jesus. It's not about what the building looks like. It's nice to get them things right. It's nice that when people come in, and when we advertise at Freshers' Fair, that people come to King's Church and the new name and everything. But above all that, it's just a marketing exercise. We need to make sure that we're right inside and we're following Jesus. Because if people come in, we need to make sure they too are following Jesus. Amen. So I ask you this morning, how important is Jesus to you today? How important is the creator of time? Is he in your priority list? Is he down at the bottom or is he at the top? Where do you put Jesus? We saw the many, many things that come up this morning that's hard to know even even just spending time in the bathroom. And Emma will tell you this, I don't spend much time in the bathroom doing my hair and everything. Emma spends far more time than I do in the in the bathroom. But it's hard hitting, isn't it? I mean, if we were all to put our hands up here this morning and say how much time we spend with God, some of us wouldn't even dare to say it. You know, I've, even, I've been to meetings before and even I've heard that even leaders have been said that they don't even spend time, enough time with God. So it's not about who's a leader and who's not. It's just about our personal relationship with him. It's difficult. It's a principle. It's a discipline. But we all have to put time aside with God. And what do you value most? What is the most thing that you value? Jesus said this. The rich ruler came to Jesus and he said, what must I do to have eternal life? He asked him the question. He says, what must I do? He's got all the money. And Jesus replied this. He said to him, fulfill all the commandments. You can read this up. He said, fulfill all the commandments. And he says, I've been doing that since I was a boy. Since I was a little boy, I've fulfilled all them. I've done all them things. But Jesus says this. You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then... Come follow me. Let's just read that again. He says, you still lack one thing. Above everything else, you fulfill the commandments. You've tried to anyway. How he could fulfill all the commandments, I'm not sure. But he tried to fulfill all the commandments. But he says, you lack one thing. And that is that you sell everything you have. The money that is gripping your heart. Sell everything you have. Then come follow me. He had two masters there. And he could have chose to to have both. But God said this to him. Jesus said this. Get rid of everything you have, the things that are gripping your heart. Then you can come and follow me. It's not about fulfilling commandments. It's not about being religious, coming to church. It's about taking the very things that grip your time, your heart, and take you away from God. And you can't follow Jesus and focus on your own treasures. You have to focus on heavenly treasure. Jesus said, didn't he? He said, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also and I want to ask you this morning, where is your treasure? Where is your real treasure? Where does it lie? There's only you knows that. We can all put the front on. We can come to church and we can say, you know, I believe in God and God is the center of my life. I've witnessed the people and I've said all the right things. But the truth is, where is Jesus in your life? Where is the priority? And I asked that question this morning because it's a hard-hitting question for us all. But it's something that when I think about the future of King's Church, when I think about when we talk about vision, when we talk about where we're going to go, when we look at the building and everything, i much rather have an old building and the heart's right than this. Much rather have that. It's not about how big we can get the church. What did we read earlier? That Jesus turned around and he didn't get caught up by the crowd. He didn't look at the crowd and say, let's have a meeting here. Let's stop and have a meeting at this side. Let's not bother getting into the boat. Let's not bother going to the dangerous region. Let's not bother doing that. He could have said, let's have a big meeting here and let's just see many, many things happen and everyone's happy. But he saw the crowd and he he thought to himself, I don't want this to get out of hand. I want to keep going because there's work to be done. He said, I only ever do what the Father, I see the Father doing. Amen. If you just turn with me, we're not going to get you to turn to many places, but turn with me to Luke 14, verse 28. Verse 28. Luke fourteen twenty eight. This bit of scripture talks about, we're talking here about the cost, looking at the cost of following Jesus or the crowd and whether we want to follow the crowd and just the scene. And this bit of scripture talks about the cost of following Jesus. It says this, verse 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it. For if he, lays the founda- if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him, with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation While the other is still a long way off. And will ask for terms of peace. In the same way. Any of you who does not give up everything he has. Cannot be my disciple. Give up everything you have. Everything. Jesus here is saying. Unless you give up everything. You can't be his disciple. And I want to ask you this morning. Have you really given everything to God? Have you really laid everything down? But it's interesting that it says this. There's many, many times we hear that so many people got saved in a meeting. So many people came to Christ. And that's good and that's, that's the right thing. But I want to ask you this. that There's another question that comes to us. Not will you accept Jesus into your heart. But have you considered the cost? Have you really considered the cost of following him? Jesus asked the question to us. He says you must consider the cost of following me. So there's actually something in that that is in our minds. We've got to use our wisdom to decide whether we really, really want to give up the things in our life to follow him. And I want to ask you this morning, what is your treasure? What's the thing that you put most important? Is it the house? Is it the job? The car? Everything that you want to see in your life. I know before I became a Christian, I had so much focus on having my own business and doing my own thing. And to have money and to to get the house and everything. But it's amazing, isn't it, when God fills your heart, when you get saved, that the whole thing turns around. The whole thing changes. And that's not because of what I think, of what I decided. But the Holy Spirit, he says he'll give you desires for good things. He'll give you different desires. When the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you, you will be filled with different desires. Many, many people said to me, how can you change when you become a Christian? How can you change so much? And I, and I simply answer this every time I was say, when the Holy Spirit lives in you, we heard it last week, we heard, when the spirit of him that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you, you're completely different. How can you be the same? How can you think the same? We have to bring all our, all our thoughts and our mind to Christ, but when we have the Holy Spirit living within us, we can change. And I want to ask you this morning, it's about when you have the Holy Spirit living in you, you can start to choose what you want. You can start to say, I'm going to put that aside. I'm going to put time aside with God. You know, I'm not saying that there's an, ever any specific amount of time you've got to spend with God. That's That would be totally wrong to say that. It's not about, you should spend 30 minutes or one hour a day with God. But you know, you know whether you can. You know, somebody, when I was at work the other day, somebody said... Um, this guy came into the office and one of the girls said, oh, I want to go home. Can I go home now? And she was just asking him in a, in a kind of rhetorical question. He wasn't her boss. But he just turned around to her and he just said, well, I don't know. He goes, ask your conscience. And I just laughed and I thought, it's true. It's not about whether a person says it. You need to ask your conscience. What, what amount of time do you want to spend with God? How hungry are you? How hungry are you to meet with the Savior of the world? You know, even the treasures that we're talking about here, even the things that I'm talking about, the the house, the car, and all the things that might grab your time, TV and stuff like that, do you know that there's even church can become one of your treasures and not God? You know, sometimes we put church... I get busy with church, and sometimes, you know, we know the, the Mary and Martha story of getting too busy. And we've got to be very careful because the truth is that it's about our relationship with Him. So we have to be very careful how we use our time because God doesn't want us to be running around and never spend time with Him. It's the most, it's the times in, in intimacy when you'll, you'll really get to know Him. So I, I question you this morning, I ask you, how much time? Not that I'm spending enough time. I'm preaching to myself this morning. If there's ever a sermon that I'm going to preach to myself, it's this one. Because I know, and I can put my hand to say, I don't spend enough time. And I don't think till the day I die, I will ever say to you, I'm spending enough time with God. But that's a good place. Isn't it? We need to remember, we need to think to ourselves, I'm not spending enough time just so that we bring ourselves back to him all the time. The songs that we sung this morning are so perfect for what I've got to say this morning. That we need to come back to the heart of worship. We need to come back laying things aside. It's all about him, not about us. Nothing to do with us at all. Amen? Amen. So Jesus didn't want to stay in the comfort of the crowd. And he he asks us to do this. He says, take up your own cross. Take up your own cross and follow me. And and the, the title of my message, as I said, is fan or follower? Are you going to be a fan or are you going to follow him? Are you going to follow Jesus? Jesus said this, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? What value have you got? What value have you put on your soul this morning? You know, you might have heard the gospel message many, many times. But I ask you this morning, what value do you put on your soul? What is it that takes your mind away from from who created you, who saved you, what value do you put if you could have everything in the world, what value do you put on your soul John six verse sixty six says this: Jesus was speaking to them just before that, and he said before this verse, and he said this he said he talked about drinking and eat, uh, drinking his blood and eating his flesh. And we know that that's not about cannibalism, but it's about uh, just as we bring the table of emblems in, we come around the table once a month. We know that what that talks about is that we need to share in the sufferings of Christ. Paul said many, many times that we need to share in the sufferings of Christ. We need to take up, to take up your own cross and follow him means that you have to suffer sometimes as well. Sometimes you have to carry your cross, which is it, it's a heavy load. You know, we, we like all the scriptures that say that his burden is light. But the truth is this, that we have to carry a cross. You know, when Pete is out in Brazil and you hear stories that he is getting um, opposition in the sense that he hears gun, gunshots outside and things like that. You say, you think to yourself, that is, you know, we, this is not a comfortable place to be, is it? It's not comfortable to be a Christian sometimes. And what he says in this, in John six 6 verse 66, he says... He says, from, time, from this time, many of, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. When they heard what he had to say about eating his flesh and taking up a cross, following him and actually coming under suffering sometimes for, do, for, for living for Christ. It says here, from this time, when he spoke to them about that, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And then Jesus turns around to them. When the people start to walk away and say, we've chosen not to follow you. They were with Jesus face to face. Face to face they could see him. They'd seen the miracles. And they looked at Jesus. And they turned away and said, we can't do what you're asking us to do. It's too much. It's too much. And they walked away. Jesus said this to the rest of them that was there. He said, do you want to leave as well? He asked the 12 disciples, do you want to go as well with the way that they've gone? And I asked you this morning, can you count the cost? Can you really count the cost of following him? Do you want to follow him? Do you want to really follow Jesus and have him truly in your life? Or do you want to walk away? And the question's there for us. Point number two this morning is this. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Are you a fan or follower of Jesus this morning? And there's a difference. Many times Jesus said to people, didn't he? He said, follow me. Come and follow me. In the dictionary it says this, for a fan. A fan is this, an enthusiastic admirer of a celebrity or public performer. That's what it says in the dictionary, the English dictionary. An enthusiastic admirer of a celebrity or public performer. For a follower it says this. Somebody who is influenced, led, or guided by somebody. Somebody who is influenced, led, or guided by somebody. You know, many years ago, I was when I used to live back in up north. I used to um, be around a lot. If you go up north, a lot of people like football, and I can put my hands up to you this morning. I can tell you, I don't like pub, football. I'm not that bothered about football. Um, and Emma's happy about that because I would, I'd be going to matches and stuff, and I'd be watching it on TV. The only time when I'm interested in football is when we get patriotic and the and, and England plays and we have the little England parties with the flags on. The flags go on the car. That's the time when I like football. And it's not because it's because I don't want to follow it each week. I'm not into league football. That's just me. But you know, when I was younger, there's always this peer pressure when you're at school and wherever you go that you've got to you've got to almost like football. You've got to like sports. You've got to do things that everyone else likes doing. Well, I can publicly say now, I don't like it. Because none of them people are here anymore. But when I was at school, and my cousin especially used to love football. And not, there's nothing wrong with football, it was great. And they used to uh, support a team, don't know if you, any of you know them, Barnsley Football Club uh, up north, little team. They're getting a bit bigger now, but a little team. And each week, the whole family, our family, used to go. They'd be going out and, and watching Barnsley play football. And it got to the point where I thought, actually I need to start making myself like football. I need to become like them. I need to do things that they're doing. So I started to say I'm going to go, but I, I used to use all the talk as though I liked football. Deep down, I didn't really, but I tried to make myself like it. I went out, and I, I were even excited to buy things. Like I went and bought the shirt, put the shirt on, got the away shirt and the home one, and I loved it. I, I used to love wearing the shirts sometimes. and saying, "Yeah, I'm a Banzler supporter. Who do you support, Banzler? Well, they're not very good, yeah, know, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm keeping it going. It's the support that counts." And I used to go to these matches. Each week with the guys and watch watch them play football. But the difference between me and the difference between my friends and my cousin especially was this. That they had season tickets. They had, he used to go on the day that I'd go and buy my shirt when the season started and we went to the club shop. And I was excited to get the shirt because I'd become one of them. He went and bought his season ticket as well. And I didn't. I spent the 30 quid on the shirt, and he spent the 30 quid on the shirt and the season ticket. And the difference is this, that when it came to a time when they weren't doing so good, Greg knows a lot about football, sir. So, but when when the time came when they weren't doing so good, I kind of give up on them. I didn't want to follow them. I didn't want to follow them when they were doing good and, and the, the team was winning. And so I, I actually stopped doing the matches. Then when they were doing well again, I said, yeah, I'll come with you this week. And the difference there we can see is this. That they were following their team. They were following their team whether they liked whether they were doing well or not. If the team was successful, they were, they were there. If the team were not doing very well, they used to travel down south to watch them. Wherever they went in England, they would go and watch them. And I'd be sat at home. Because they loved they loved to watch their team. They followed them whatever the circumstances were. And the great thing was is that when they bought the season ticket. They were basically signing up and saying, we'll give our money. We've counted the cost. We don't care what happens for the next year in football. We still want to pay. But I wasn't. And I didn't want to do that. And I put it to you this morning that it's the same for us. You can be a fan of Jesus. You can put on each Sunday the whole outfit, have the shirt, the King's Church t-shirts. You can come here and you can become somebody that looks exactly perfectly like a, a Christian ought to be, but you ain 't buying the season ticket you 're not buying the ticket that says i 'm willing to go through king's church i 'm willing to be in the it 's not about just King's Church but any church i 'm willing to be in the church whatever however difficult it is, however hard work it is, when things are not so good i 'm willing to be there. And my question to you this morning is, can you become season ticket holders? Can you become ones who are prepared to pay the money up front? Count the cost of being in the church with us through the hard times. Amen. You know, I was a fan and not a, and not a follower. And Jesus calls us here. He says, he's calling them. The stories about him calling to follow him. I want to ask, does Jesus influence your direction? Is he influencing your direction? Because it says that a follower is led and guided Remember again, it says influence, led, and guided. The difference between a fan is that if you're a fan and a follower is that if you're a follower, you will be influenced by the person. You'll ad, you'll admire them. So there's a bit of the fan in it, but there's an extra step, and you will begin to be influenced by them, guided by them, and you'll go wherever they want you to go. Amen. And many of the crowd around that lake that day were spectators of miracles. They saw the miracles. But Jesus wanted to go that extra step further. And he says, I want to take you into a place where you get to know me. You know, it's all about, and what I said is point two is, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And the point here is this, that you will not do anything with Christ unless you get to know him. And what we, what we saw this morning on the video is all about how much time we spend with him. The intimate relationship is how you'll get to know him. Because these guys who stepped into the boat and went across the lake, they, they discovered far more on an intimate relationship with Jesus, than any of the crowd would have ever done. He says this, that they were amazed when they saw what Jesus did. They said, who is this man? They didn't say that when they were in in the crowds. They'd seen many, many miracles, healings. But as soon as he obeys, as soon as the the wind and the waves obey Jesus, and everything becomes calm, they realize something new about him. And I want to encourage you this morning, that if you step, into the presence of God, if you spend time with Him, an intimate relationship with Him, including me, if we spend time with Him, how much we'll get from knowing Him, knowing His authority in in our lives, understanding who He is, we'll say, wow, what kind of man is this? What kind of man is this? We can come and sing the songs, but it's in the intimate times, it's when we're in the boat. The ones who are willing to spend time with him, intimacy, the ones who'll say, wow, what kind of man is this? And when you say that and you understand the authority for what which you carry, that's when you begin to do great things for God. They witnessed another level of authority. And we can know a lot about church. You can know everything there is to know about church I meet many people and they, they can talk the talk about church. Let me tell you, they know everything. Do you know, I'll, I'll put my hand up. I don't know everything. I don't know all the answers. But what I do know is that if, my, if I keep my heart right, if I'm focused on Jesus, that's all I am cared about. All I care about. It's not about head knowledge. It's not about what you know about church. And you can know the ins and outs of church. You can wear the t-shirt every single week. But let me tell you this, the, you, you can become a Pharisee. That's what the Pharisees did. They knew head knowledge. They knew everything up here. They knew the scriptures inside out. They could quote scriptures like that. I can't always quote scripture. I've got to find it. I'm not good at that. I need to go to Bible college to learn all that. But what I'm saying is, it's not about head knowledge. It's about the Holy Spirit living in you. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, it's far, far better. You know, the people out there, when I witness to them, people in my work, when I speak to them, they're not interested in whether I can tell them where the scriptures are. They're never interested in that. They're always interested in why I've changed and who and what I've become. Why I'm the person I am. Why I abstain from doing certain things. Why I'm not interested in certain things. And it's like we said earlier, it's about when the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. It's completely different. And we need to get to know him and not know about him. Many of you saw recently the uh, celebrity Michael Jackson that he died. And I was, I can put my hand up to say, I was a fan of Michael Jackson when I was younger. I used to, Emma will tell you that if, you know, if you, if she tries to get me to her, she tries to get me to do some kind of moonwalk, which I can't really do, but you know. But I used to dance and sing like Michael Jackson when I was younger. I even used to go to the Lens of at school, I used to make, I'm telling you everything now. This better not go out on YouTube. But I used to make tapes and sing to them. I used to make photographs and put on these tapes and say, because I just loved Michael Jackson. And I knew loads of stuff about him. I used to buy the magazines, everything. I could tell you everything. I can't now, but I could tell you everything at the time. I bought all the albums, every time by the singles. I just used to love the dancing and everything about him. And when he died recently, it's, it was amazing when, to see a guy die that from a young, young age when I used to watch him and thinking, I actually thought he was invincible. To me as a young guy, I thought this guy is he, he's like a king. He's somebody who can't die. He's so good at what he does. But I knew everything about him. And I watched programs recently when Michael Jackson's funeral had taken place and everything had taken place. And people watched, um, they, they were looking at documentaries, at people who went over, flew over to see uh, the, the funeral and stand outside. And there were guys there who had flown all the way over who knew every single thing. They wore the gloves, they, they, they wore everything. They looked, they looked exactly like him. You know, they'd had the hair done. These people knew everything about him and one of the things he showed, he said he showed a picture of Michael Jackson once pulling out of a concert and he was in the car and one of his fans came in front of the car and started to dance and do things in front of the car so that Michael Jackson couldn't drive away. And Michael Jackson in the back of his car laughed and said, you know that guy always does that, I love to watch him do it. But he didn't even know him. He didn't know him and, and can I put this to you, there's many, many people who read the uh, the celebrity magazines... Including Emma. (laughs) But all they want to do is just look at pictures of, you know. But they they look at these pictures and they could tell you anything about what they're wearing now. The latest fashions. Everything about that person and like Michael Jackson. But they don't know him. Michael Jackson would have never known them. And it's the same with us. We can can know everything about Jesus. We can put him on, on a pedestal. We could say everything about him. All the miracles he did. Know all the stories. But do we really know him? personally? Do we know him personally in our hearts? Speaking about the coming day of judgment Jesus said this make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many I tell you will try and enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door you will stand outside knocking and pleading sir open the door for us but he will answer, Jesus will answer I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say we ate and drank with you. And you taught in our, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply. I don't know you or where you came from. That, that bit of scripture there t- is very very hard hitting. Because it says this. That when the end times come. That there will be people who say. We ate and drank with you. We were with you Jesus. We even did things in your name. And he will turn around them and say. I don't even know you. These were the ones who sat and ate and drank with Jesus. But yet, he says, I don't even know you. Do you want to get to a time when the, the judgment of Christ comes and Christ says, I don't even know you. I don't know you. You might know everything about me. You might have done and said everything about me. But did you really give your heart? How much time did you give out of your time? What did we see earlier on that on that video? It said this. In prayer. In time with God, in the whole of an average person's life, seven months in a lifetime, as opposed to nine years watching TV. Seven months in a lifetime, on the average person to spend with Christ, if you spent ten minutes a day, as opposed to nine years out of your life watching TV. I want to ask you now, what is more important, Emmerdale Farm or Jesus to you? The creator of time. And it's in the quiet place where you'll get to know God. It's in the quiet place where we know him. And we understand what he wants for our lives. When I first became a Christian, I used to read books and watch God TV. And I would always listen to worship CDs. And sometimes there's a danger that you can make all your worship CDs and everything that you watch on TV, that that is your time with God. Now, don't get me wrong. It's good to spend time in worship listening to CDs. But we can sometimes, I used to almost push aside the prayer time and think, well, I've, I've spent my time with God. I've listened to some CDs today, I've watched a bit of God TV, I'll, I'll listen to somebody preach. You know, that touched me, so that's it, I've spent my time with God. But there's a difference in that. That's all good, and it's it's not bad stuff. But it's, it's still, we need to put aside time. Jesus said, go into the quiet place, close the door, didn't it? He said, go into the quiet place and close the door and spend some time with me. You know, it's it's in them quiet times, I can tell you this. For me... Uh, Some of you, I'm not going to go into the story, but some of you, when I was praying not so long back in in a quiet time when I shut the door is where God revealed some things to me about Peter's ministry that were unbelievable. The next few days when I spoke to him were bang on. And, you know, there's many, many times that I don't, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't spend enough time with God and I want to. I've got a desire to. But all I said this to you is, it's in them times, I look back and think, when I've spent time and I've sought God, when He shows me something or He, he reveals things to me, and I, He reveals His character to me, it makes me all the more hungry to get back into His presence, to listen to Him again, to see what He's got to say, rather than just watching TV. So I just put, I, I just put that question to you this morning: How much time, how much time are you spending to know Him? Apostle Paul said this: I want to know Christ. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And our greatest quest in life should be to know Jesus. Jesus said this, my sheep will hear my voice. The ones who follow him will know his voice. If you're hungry to recognize God's voice in your life, if you're hungry to to hear him, all i would said to you this morning is it's just a matter of tuning in. It's just a matter of tuning in. Do you know there's not one person in here who cannot not hear from God. We're not talking about audible voice and we know that God can speak to us audibly. But I have always got a hunger to hear God's voice. And we should all have a hunger to hear his voice. And he says, the ones who follow me, the ones who serve me, will hear it. Simple as that. You know, I used to read books about prophecy and I, oh, I, want, I want to know what, what is it the way to hear God How can I hear him? How can I hear his voice to what he has to say? And do you know what? Every single book I ever bought said the same thing. But I thought that one would tell me something new. And they all tell me one thing, that it's in your quiet times, that God will speak to you differently. It says, doesn't it, in the Bible that when they heard God's voice, the thunder came. Some of them said it was thunder, some said it wasn't. So no one was actually saying, yes, that is definitely the voice of God. And and it is about the deepest inside here. It's not about audible voice. It's it's the very thing that that cuts against the grain that says to you about all your thoughts that God wants to speak right into that place. And sometimes it's the most simplest times. I I felt so low and felt that I can't hear from God, but yet God still speaks to me. Because it's not about how we feel. Just tune in. Just say, God, I want to hear your voice. I want to start to hear your voice. Tune in. And in them quiet times, you'll hear him. Amen. Number three is this, be prepared for the journey. You know, before they set off, before these guys set off to the, the other side, Jesus never told them about the journey that was ahead. He said that we're going to a destination to the other side of this lake. He said, I'm going to take you to the other side of this lake. And there, they knew that this, these demon-possessed guys were there. But he says, I'm not about the journey. He didn't even tell them what was going to happen. Because at the time, he says that it was a calm water, but they went across and then without warning, it says this, without warning, that the the storm came up. If God sometimes tells you about the journey, you won't go towards the destination. And too many of us want to know the ins and outs of everything. Don't we? We want to know everything, what's, what's happening. You know... There's the opposition that can come. Nathan, Nathan Morris, some of you know him from. The guy we had last week from Shake the Nation's Ministries, I heard recently went out to India and was preaching in India. And on something like the second night, there was a group of Hindus on the right-hand side, down at the front, who, who asked them to stop preaching with knives. To stop speaking about the gospel of Jesus. And they said to them, you must stop preaching. And I spoke to Nathan when he got back and he says, you know, we, we'd actually... The authorities stopped us, the the, the meetings had to stop one night. But then they prayed and they went back on on the next night after. And it's like the situation, what Pete's in at the moment. Do you stop or do you continue? And we have to expect that times of opposition, times when it will be hard. And the journey is hard when we actually step out in faith. If you're prepared to get your feet wet. If you're prepared to get off the the shores and get onto the boat. That the journey is sometimes difficult. But the difficult tests produce more faith in us. Jesus said this to the guys in the boat. He says, oh, you of little faith. Trust, trust God. You might, have to go to danger, you might not have to go to dangerous regions. You know. you might not have to go to the other side of a, a, a lake and to the garderines and meet two demon-possessed men. But let me tell you this, that you might have to tomorrow uh, meet your friends and tell them about Jesus. And to you, that's probably just as scary. We haven't got a lake outside now where I'm asking you to get on a boat and go and speak to two demon-possessed men. But when you walk into your office tomorrow and you meet someone and you have to tell them about Christ, it's scary. We all put our hands up to that. And I can tell you about a story the other day, just a simple thing. Of when I came home from work and I had one of these Crispo water flyers, and I went round to our new neighbors who've just moved in from America. And there's a big family. And I was stood in the back garden. And I thought, shall I go round and hand one of these Chris bow flyers and invite them? Shall I talk to them and just say, do you want to come? And so I did. And I'm telling you, my heart was beating just to go round to the neighbours to hand them uh, a Chris bow water leaflet. Because the enemy so grips us sometimes in fear as to say, don't do it. You can't share your faith. They're not interested. And I was so surprised when I spoke to this guy on the door and he said, we'd love to come. We would love to come. And I just thought, how many more people is there like this? No, I didn't go down the rest of the street. Yes. <laughs> I had to do other things. I had to watch TV. But all I'm saying is this. How many more people is there like that? And we just, we're fearful of even speaking to them. There's so much fear sometimes just to speak about Jesus. The other day I was speaking to someone at work. And I ended up using my lunch hour to speak to them about God. And I never thought that was going to happen. But I'm saying this is he's, he's how, much did I, how, how in depth could I have gone in that conversation? I could have just told her the, the, very, the, the small things and not gone in detail. But I ended up telling her everything about God. How We can become so fearful and gripped and not move, you know, move with God. And we need to draw upon power of the Holy Spirit. It's His strength that helps us to do these things. And when was the last time you took a risk with Jesus? When was the last time you took a risk with Him? That you could step out and get into a boat and go on to stormy sea? When was the last time that you risked your, your pride, your character for Jesus? Jesus it, the, the word of God says this, that anyone who puts their trust in him will never be put to shame. No, if you put your trust in God, you won't be put to shame. One day when you stand before Christ, you will say, my good and faithful servant, well done. You might get ridiculed here, but you won't by God. And a storm came without warning. And we know that there's many, many storms can come in our lives on our journey. And all i would said to you today is this, that don't be put off by the journey. Enjoy the journey. But don't always get upset when you don't know all the answers to the journey, what you're going on. It's about the destiny, yeah? Paul said this, now I know in part, then I shall fully know, even as I am fully known. And consider Joseph. I always look at this. Joseph saw a dream of his destiny. He he saw everything of what was going to happen when his brothers would bow down before him. But he never saw the journey. He never revealed, as he listened to God's voice, as he saw in dreams, he never revealed the whole journey. He revealed his destiny that one day his brothers would bow before him. And we see that if he'd have known the whole journey, you've got to question this, would he have gone? Would you go if you knew everything, the ins and outs? And some of us this morning, we ask, what's the will of God for my life? What's the answer? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing this now? We don't have to always ask the questions. Just focus on God for his destiny. And then let him take you through the journey. Amen. Arriving at the other side of the lake, they then met the two demon-possessed men. And the disciples, for the first time then, they're with Jesus and they begin to walk in the supernatural Let me tell you this, if you give everything to God, if you lay everything aside and you step into that boat, if you do that, and you go through the journey, at the other side of it, there is a a depth and a level of walking in the supernatural that you probably haven't even imagined yet. And we need to begin to start taking risks with Jesus, so that we can see the power of the supernatural active. The word of God says this, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honour the one who serves me. If you serve Jesus, then you will follow him, it says. If you serve him, you can follow him. And when you follow him, it says, a a person who will serve me and follow me, my father will honour them. You will be honoured by the father for doing it. Isn't that great? And when we know him, we want to serve him. And when we serve them, we granted with supernatural strength and abilities. Let me just finish with this. If the band just want to come back up and get ready, although I'm part of the band, I'll make my way over there shortly. But just finish with this. Daniel said this. Speaking of the end times, prophetically said this. The people that do know their God will be strong and do great exploits. The people... That know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Basically what he's saying is if you know God, if you put him at the center of your life, if you know him, he will give you supernatural strength. He will give you the strength to get through the journey. But you will do great exploits. Basically things you will be able to resist. Resist the evil one. You'll be able to do great things for God. And that's exactly what these guys did. They said, we want to step off this, this land. We want to do what you're saying. We want to get into the boat and we want to follow you. And they went to the other side and when they did, when they, when they knew God personally, when they got, they were putting their lives aside, they could have stayed in the comfort of the crowd, but when they put their lives aside and they focused on him when they got to the other side, they saw great exploits. Amen. That's me done. If you want to stand this morning, let's just pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you this morning that you've called us to follow you. We thank you this morning, Lord, that we have a choice. You've given us an opportunity to lay our lives down and follow you. And Lord, what we saw in that video this morning, that of all the time that we could spend doing many other things, that Lord, all you ask of us is is our time, just some of our time. And Lord, I just pray that you will help each and every one of us in this room. To begin to put time aside. To, to lay aside the other things. You know the other night we were praying in the prayer meeting about these kind of things. Putting things aside that all the things that take up your time. All the things that take up your time. That you would become less interested. We become less interested in TV and things. that consumers are more interested and focused on God. And I want to encourage you this morning. If you want to give your your life to God more, it's not about just saying, yes, I will. But it's about going home today and saying, God, I want to follow you. I want to begin to do great exploits for your name. I want to begin to go on this journey, even though I don't know how hard it's going to be. I want to be a season ticket holder. I don't want to just pay for the pay for the matches that we're going to win when there's victory but Lord I want to pay up front I've counted the cost I've counted the cost and I want to say to you Lord that whatever it is whatever the cost is Father, even if it gets grim even if the waves come crashing in Hallelujah blessed be your name as we sang this morning Even when it all comes down around us, blessed be your name, Lord, I will follow you. You know, I can say whatever I want to say this morning about following Jesus. It's always up to you. It's nothing to do with me. It's your personal relationship with Jesus. I've got mine. You've got yours. But how much more effective will all be if if we just increased, just doubled the amount of time we're spending with him right now? just increase it just that little bit how much more effective we'll be when we get to know him more Amen I want to encourage you this morning I'm going to get back on the drums in a minute I'm going to hand over to